0: Ave, and welcome to Emperors of Rome, a podcast about the rulers of the ancient Roman Empire. I'm your host, Matt Smith, and with me today is Associate Professor Peter Davis. He's a visiting research fellow at the University of Adelaide and an adjunct associate professor in classics at the University of Tasmania. I caught up with him recently at a conference, and he spoke to me about the first century Roman poet Valerius Flaccus. He's best known for his work, The Argonautica, which tells the story of Jason and the Golden Fleece. Here's Peter Davis.
1: I'd like to talk today about Valerius Flaccus. Uh, He's a poet who wrote an epic in eight books in the Flavian period. We know very little about his life. We know that uh, he was dead before 96 CE because Quintilian refers to him. Quintilian, a, a critic of Roman literature, Quintilian says that we lost something great just recently in Valerius Flaccus. And so we know that he died sometime before 96. We know that um, he was alive in Vespasian's time. He addresses Vespasian in his first book. We know that he was alive in the time of Titus because there are two similes in which he refers to the eruption of Vesuvius, and of course that happened in 79. And he may well have been alive during the time of Domitian, but we really don't know. So, but he's very much a Flavian character. We don't know when he was born, but we do know when he was working.
0: So what do we have that has been written by him? I, I gather there's not quite a lot. We don't know much about him, but we've got some of his works, don't we? We do. We have one poem. It's an epic
1: poem. It's in eight books. It's not quite complete, but it's generally thought... For very good literary reasons, the epic poem was meant to be only eight books in length. So it's possible that we have lost the last couple of hundred lines you know, from antiquity through the Middle Ages to now, or it's possible that he didn't finish it. And it's very hard to know which of those would be true. So what is the poem? What have we left with? The poem that we have is generally called Argonautica. It's a poem about the story of Jason and the Golden Fleece. It's a well-known story that had been treated a couple of centuries earlier by Apollonius of Rhodes, whose poem is probably better known than uh, Valerius Blacker's poem. So it's a poem that tells, in the first half, the story of Jason's expedition from Greece up through the Hellespont, what is now the Dardanelles, to the shores of the Black Sea to a place called Colchis. That happens in the first half of Valerius' poem and also in Apollonius. And the second half is taken up with Jason acquiring the Golden Fleece. And he does that with the help of Medea, who is the daughter of the King of Colchis. They fall in love with each other, so there's a love story there. And they work together to steal the Golden Fleece from Colchis and return to Greece. Now, Apollonius' version finishes with Jason and Medea returning to Greece, Valerius Flaccus stops at the point where Medea is about to murder her brother.
0: So not really that much further from the end, I suppose, if he was following it closely?
1: No, that's right. I mean, it's pretty clear that that the Valerius didn't include the return journey, I think, that would require quite a few more books. And as I said, there are very good reasons for thinking that the poem ended with book eight, that it's an eight book poem. My own view, and it's not an original view of mine, but my own view is that the poem was going to end with Medea's killing of her brother. He doesn't quite get there in the poem as it is, and there are reasons for thinking that that would give it an ending very similar to the ending of the Aeneid, which ends with Aeneas killing Ternus, and this would end with Medea killing her brother. And that would make sense because uh, Valerius clearly uses a lot of Virgilian techniques, and a lot of his language is modelled on Virgil.
0: So Virgil gets a lot of comparison to Homer, but it sounds like Flaccus would have got quite a lot of comparison to the original.
1: There isn't really an original, because Apollonius of Rhodes is inheriting material from earlier sources as well, so that's just how it goes. There were actually Latin poems in between Valerius Flaccus and Apollonius, and there were certainly earlier treatments of the myth um, going back to the very early 5th century BCE. So everyone is
0: really copying everybody else. But comparisons are kind of inevitable, aren't they? So why would Flaccus have been writing this? Is it making it for a new Roman audience? Yeah, absolutely right, that everyone would be comparing it with Apollonius. Um, Apollonius'
1: poem was very prestigious, and so when I work on Valerius Flaccus, one of the things I do is compare it with Apollonius. There's an interesting thing to do because, I mean, there are similarities, but comparison also shows up differences. In particular, I would say that it shows the extent to which Apollonius has Romanised the story. So for example, wherever the um, Argonauts sail, they seem to encounter places that look suspiciously like Rome. They go to a place and we find out that in the constitutional arrangements there's there's the people and there's the Senate and there's also a tyrant. So the situation, wherever they go, is similar to the situation in Rome. Uh, And of course, when they get to Colchis, which is where the last four books of of Valerius' poem, so I'm getting them confused, (laughs) Valerius' poem is set, uh, it's exactly that kind of situation. So he's quite specific. There are patres, there are senators, there's the wurgus, which is a kind of contemptuous term for the people, and there's the king, there's a tyrant, Aetes. So it's very much a poem that's about Rome. There are other things too. He clearly has borrowed ideas from Virgil in the sense that this poem is a poem in which there is a divine plan. The divine plan concerns the shifting of power from the East to Greece and then to Rome Valerius is very much concerned with the Roman Empire, and you could certainly see a voyage of this kind as being analogous to, as leading to empire. It opens up new lands. It's also worth noting that Valerius likens Jason to Vespasian. The aspect of Vespasian that he picks on is the fact that Vespasian sailed to Britain, because Vespasian was one of the generals uh his invasion of Britain in 43 CE. So Vespasian is said to open up the sea, just as Jason opens up the sea. So there are analogies between Jason and, and a Roman conqueror.
0: So what is his motives for writing this then? Is it to praise the new imperial family then? I would say no. I would say that he offers a
1: critique of the imperial family. And I would say that because the consequences of the voyage turn out to be mainly negative. And the main consequence is the bringing back of Medea to Greece. And one of the things, I mean, Medea, of course, is one of the best-known figures in Greek and Roman mythology now, and she was the most popular figure on the uh, the Roman stage in the Republic and subsequent periods, so the story is very well known. But the best-known part of the myth actually involves Medea and Jason separating. Jason dumps Medea to marry a younger woman, and Medea gets her revenge by killing their children. So in Euripides' play, um, and in various Roman plays too, Medea kills their children. And one of the distinguishing features of Valerius' poem is that he's constantly foreshadowing this event, this meeting of Jason and Medea, is going to lead to disastrous events in the future.
0: Before we came into the room there, you said your mind's very much been on Valerius Flaccus. So what is it about him that has kept you so occupied. I like the actual Latin. The writing is very elegant, it's
1: very sophisticated, it's very clever. I like the story, the story is an exciting story. It's a story of adventure uh, in the first half, uh, whereas Jason and the Argonauts sail to various places and encounter and have various strange encounters with different kinds of people. So they come to Lemnos for example, a place where the uh, women have all murdered their husbands and every male, person except one has been killed when you get to the second half of the poem the section on Colchis, one of the interesting aspects of it is and this is completely different from apollonius is that book six is concerned with the civil war and if you think about how the julio-claudian period ended and how the flavians came to power of course it's there's a focus on civil war jump back to the story of lemnos one way of presenting that is to highlight the erotic aspects and that's what Apollonius of Rhodes had done, that is to say he he plays up the love affair between Jason and the Queen of Lemnos. Valerius Flaccus doesn't say very much about that. He focuses on the killing and it's presented very much as a civil war, a war in which the women make war on the men and kill their husbands and fathers and sons. Focus on civil war again brings up this, this Roman aspect. So it's this interplay between Greek and Roman I think that I find particularly interesting as well.
0: Do you have an opinion on which one you think is the superior one?
1: Well I happen to think that Valerius Flaccus is a superior one and I think you'll find that a lot of Latinists would agree with me but I think you'll find that most people who work on Apollonius probably haven't even read Valerius Flaccus yeah. so they, they would certainly be convinced of the superiority of Apollonius.
0: And this is the only work that we've got of him, but is there any kind of speculation on the other kind of works that we've lost of his or what he might have been writing?
1: No. Um, we have no evidence at all for um, what he may have written because we had so little biographical information that there isn't even speculation about what else he must have written. I mean, your question implies that he did write other things, and you would think he must have. It's It's almost inconceivable that someone would take on the task of writing an epic, epic an epic is the most prestigious genre in the, the whole of the ancient world. It's very hard to believe that anyone could sit down and say, well, I'm gonna write an epic without having written anything at all. So he must have written other things, but we have no idea
0: what those things might have been. The reason I, I kind of assume that he did is because he's been referred to as a great writer, where the world has lost a great writer. That kind of infers that, that somebody who was fairly active and well-known beyond this one work. That's a reasonable guess, but I would like to be able to give you some speculation. <laughs> and and clusters
1: are very fond of speculating when there's very little evidence, but we have none at all.
0: <laughs> That's Associate Professor Peter Davis, a visiting research fellow at the University of Adelaide and an adjunct associate professor at the University of Tasmania. And you've been listening to Emperors of Rome. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes, Please leave a review there, as reviews help rankings, and that helps other people find the podcast. You can like the Empress of Rome page on Facebook. You can follow myself and Peter Davis on Twitter. I'm at Nightlight Guy, and Peter Davis is at Peter J. Davis 2 In the next episode of Empress of Rome, and thank you, you've been very patient. Trajan, I promise this time, Trajan's coming. But until then, I'm Matt Smith, Carthega Delenda Est, and thanks for listening.